Hey family, Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church. I've got a message for you today that I believe God gave me to bring strength and hope and joy to your journey. I want you to get your heart open. I want you to get ready to receive this word. I don't believe your life's ever going to be the same again. God's getting ready to take you to a new level. I'll see you at the end of this message and we'll pray together. God bless. Enjoy this word. I want to teach for a moment this morning on generosity. Got to. Amen. It'll grow. It'll grow. Hallelujah. I want to preach this morning on a thought the Lord gave me several weeks ago called the generous company. How many want to be part of a generous company of people? How many want to belong to that tribe called generosity? Somebody say amen. And I want to talk about this today for a few moments in the middle of an incredibly good and blessed season financially for many of you and for our church. I have no I have no uh, hesitancy in telling you God's been good to us in the middle of a global pandemic. And some people would say, don't tell people that because if they find that out, they won't give no more if they think the church is okay. If you stop giving because your church is blessed, you didn't have the right heart in the first place. We don't give to pay bills. We give to advance a kingdom. And how many know the kingdom of Jesus in this hour? Every other kingdom's getting advanced. How many know his kingdom ought to be advanced at the tip of every spear? Because this is the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. And so today, I, I teach and preach this today as an invitation to people who've never heard it before to jump into a kingdom way of living. If you're already generous and already a giver, this should bless you. If you're not, this should bring, bring revelation to your heart so that you get to become a part of something on the earth that God's supernatural power rests upon. And I want to teach for just a few moments from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1, when you have that, say amen. Say the generous company. Moreover, brethren, when we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, I want you to be a Mindful of that phrase, the grace of God was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality or their generosity. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Look at verse 5. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. How many see that? They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he, begun, he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, now look carefully at this text. As you, he's speaking to the church at Corinth, and this is what he says to them. As you abound and excel in everything, in faith, in speaking, in knowledge, in all diligence, and even in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace. Somebody say this grace. This grace also. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. And I'm going to teach for a moment this morning on the generous company. God, let a spirit of generosity 
rest heavily upon every house, home, family, and human being connected to this house. I ask it in Jesus' name, and if you receive it, say amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. 2 Corinthians is Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. In the first letter, you are aware that Paul dealt with a number of outstanding issues and problems that were circulating in the Corinthian church. In fact, one writer said that Paul uh, used a velvet-covered brick to deal with the problems that were going on in the church in Corinth in the first book of Corinthians. When you flip to the second book of Corinthians, the book that I read to you this morning, you will find that Paul has sort of softened his tone. There seems to be a proper response of repentance to the issues that were uh, prevalent in the church at Corinth in the first book of Corinth. He's dealing more now um, as a spiritual father, not having to correct so many issues, but he's actually trying to teach and lead them by revelation into the next level of living. And one of the places that he stops to lead them in is in this 8th and ninth chapter of 2 Corinthians. And you understand that when Paul wrote the letter, he did not write it in chapter and verse. 2 Corinthians was one entire letter. And if you look at the 8th and the ninth chapter of 2 Corinthians, you will find that Paul's major theme is generosity. He speaks regarding giving and being a generous person in these two chapters. And he begins it in this text that I read to you this morning, talking to Corinth. He begins to tell Corinth about the church and the churches in Macedonia. And he tells them about the amazing sacrificial generosity that Macedonia exemplified when they began to give to the ministry of the apostle and all that God had called him to. And here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is doing his apostolic work again, and he is now helping the church at Jerusalem to raise the funds to do what they're called to do in Jerusalem, and they're struggling financially. And so the Bible says that he, in, in the 8th chapter of 2 Corinthians, he's reminding the church at Corinth of the goodness of God and their commitment to help other brothers and sisters in Christ advance the kingdom where they are. And he's encouraging the church at Corinth to be giving and to be generous. And I want to say something as I start this today. I recognize that giving and generosity often get a bad rap in the church. I think all of us can agree that there have been enough abuses of Scripture. There's been enough twisting of Scripture. There are enough heist, uh, shysters and uh, shenanigans and, 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 and wolves in sheep's clothing who take the Word of God and twist it in ways to line their pockets rather than preaching the book, Faith Rising and People Giving to advance the purposes of God in the earth. And, and I, I know that giving often gets a bad rap, and for that reason, many people shy away from it. But giving changed my life. Generosity changed the trajectory of my life. It would be the greatest tragedy to you and to this house, and for that matter, to this city, 
for us to be a people who only come to a building every Sunday to talk about what we can receive and we never talk about what we can pour out when it is the pouring out that made room for more ability to receive the goodness of God. And I know that, that again, that there are people in this room who've been with us. You've been running with Devin and us for 20 years. Some of you, this is your first Sunday here. You're just going to have to trust me on this first Sunday for our first-time guests that a couple of times a year I'm going to teach this message, not because we're in trouble and the bills aren't paid, but because we want everyone connected to this house to experience the fullness of what God has for them. How many know the fullness of God is a good place to live? And I don't want you living in less than or just enough of. I want you to understand the principle of the kingdom, and that's why I am teaching on generosity this morning. And I've told this a number of times. Generosity changed my life. And I didn't know anything about it till I turned 17 years old. Had never heard a sermon on giving. Never heard a sermon on tithing. In fact, we said super spiritual things in our church growing up like this. It's time to get the offering out of the way. How many ever heard that before? Time to get the offering out of the way. If the offering's in the way, we're in the way. Because the offering in a church service and the tithing moment in a church service perhaps is the most deep and the most authentic worship you will ever give in the worship service itself. David said, I will not offer something to God that costs me nothing. And so I recognize the challenge of teaching on generosity in this day and time, but this ain't my Bible or my kingdom, and I'm not my own. I belong to him, and I'm going to preach the whole book, so that's why we're here today. The subject of generosity can get a bad rap, but giving was important and is important to God. Giving and generosity were important to Jesus. It would make some of you very uncomfortable and nervous. It would even be alarming for some to know how much Jesus talked about resources and generosity. Out of the 40 parables that he shared in his ministry, 11 of them either directly or indirectly speak to resources and giving. That's over a quarter of what he talked about having something to do with what we have and what we give. Jesus understood that generosity was both the test and the cure. Think on that a minute. Giving is both a test and a cure. How is it a test? Giving is a test in that by giving or by not giving, you reveal what is in your heart. Matthew, I'm going to pause a lot today because some of us need to think about what I'm saying. Matthew 6, 21, where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. It's virtually impossible for you and I to give something that is precious away without our heart being attached to it. How many feel the tithe leave your hand every week when you give the tithe, if you're a tither? How many feel it leave? And what do I mean by feel it leave? How many notice that it's not in your bank account anymore, right? You feel it leave. Why would people do something like that in this kind of world that we live? Why would we give away 
when we could keep that and do something we would really like to do for ourselves with it. I'll tell you why. We decided we were going to pass the test and that this world and its system would not be our source, but God would be our source, and we refused to be addicted to materialism. Every Sunday morning when we give an opportunity to give, it's a test. And I'm not here to say who passed and failed today. I'm just here to tell you that whenever you give, you reveal that your heart is in the hand of God and that you are not taking control of your own life. How many of you have ever seen that bumper sticker, Jesus is my co-pilot? A disaster. I get around nobody driving a car with that bumper sticker on. I don't trust them. If he's the co-pilot, you're too messed up to get to where you're going without him. I don't want him to be my co-pilot. I want him to be the pilot, the co-pilot, the fueler, the mechanic. Do it all. I need you. <laughs> giving is the test. Jesus believes in giving and generosity because he, he was not only showing us that giving is a test, Giving is also the cure. How do we not become materialistic people? How do we not be driven in this world by its system and its ways? And How, how do we keep our heart pure from mammon? <laughs> we don't talk about mammon. We speak in tongues and fall on the floor, but nobody talks about mammon. Do you know what mammon is? It's materialism. Materialism is a god. Jesus said in the gospel, you cannot serve God and mammon. You will hate one and love the other. Amen. Words in red, not Wallace, Jesus. Jesus said you cannot be materialistic and be mission-minded at the same time. You will serve this world or you will serve the God of the kingdom and you can't serve both. And sometimes that test and that cure of materialism is in the very fact that we are giving people. When I give away and you give to the Lord every Sunday a portion of what he has blessed us with, what we are saying is we refuse to be overcome with materialism and we are putting our resources in a kingdom where moth and dust cannot corrupt. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to people who don't understand the power of the kingdom of God. I get that. But God blesses those who decide, I'm going to operate in extreme generosity. Now, giving is the cure. Giving is the test. And as we see this morning in this text, Giving is not only important to God, it's not only important to his son Jesus, giving is important to the apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7, let me, let me show you this. Look at the last verse that I read to you there, verse number 7. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, get this. He's talking to the church at Corinth and he tells them, you know what, you guys have your act together. It doesn't really say that, but in the Wallace Unauthorized Translation, he says, you abound in all these graces. You abound in everything. You abound in faith. He's telling Corinth, your church has faith. He's telling Corinth, you abound and excel in speech. Do you know what that means? You have amazing preachers in your church. You have speaking gifts all over your church. You guys got it. Y'all are amazing in speaking. He says, you have 
knowledge. It's the Greek word for revelation. He says you have a spirit of wisdom and revelation resting on your church. There's knowledge in the house. The word of the Lord is coming forth. Spirit of wisdom and revelation is in operation. He says you have diligence. You are excellent in everything you're doing. You're passionate in devotion. You are diligent. You pay attention to the details and you're devoted in your discipleship and you walk with God. You got all these things going for you and you even excel in love. But while you're talking about preaching and while you're talking about faith and while you're talking about being diligent and while you're talking about revelation and while you're talking about all the spiritual things that you're excelling in, don't forget to excel in the grace of giving. He said, I don't just want your church to be known for the preaching. I don't just want your church to be known for the faith. I don't just want your church to be known for the revelation gifts. I don't just want the church to be known by how many tongues you talk in, how many people fall in the floor, how many revivals break out. I want your church to be known as a people of generosity. And other people are like, I don't like that gift. And really the reality of it is, this is what's going to blow your mind. God started it because verse 1 said, God poured the grace out on you. Isn't he good? Isn't God good that he actually starts the party? He says to the church in Macedonia, I want you to excel in the grace of giving. How does God start that? He pours grace out on a church and he gives them just a little seed or he gives them a lot of seed. Whatever it is, the seed, we, we know from the text in the ninth chapter, the seed comes from God. He gives seed to the God starts the generosity party. He starts it in your life. How many are thankful that God gives seed to sowers? Well, I don't have no seed. The question is, are you a sower? I'm not being critical or mean. There have been times in my life I didn't have much in my pocket and I wondered why. And the reality of it is I was thinking about more how I would spend it rather than more how I would sow it. I didn't get no help in the Holy Church today. Not yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's my guy right there. He knows I'm missing. They're like, I, I don't know. Should we clap or shout or repent? All of it. <laughs> Me and Julie are going to have church today. Amen. The reality of it is we often experience a season of lack, and when we do, we start wondering what's going on. The question is, what are we going to do when it hits our life? Grace is Watch, generosity is a grace. It is a gift bestowed by God. He starts it and we sustain it. How do I know that? Because the Bible said in the first verse, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on you. God poured it out on you. But look at the verse, seventh verse. See that you abound in this grace. God gives it, but we have to see to it that we abound in it. I hope lights are coming on for somebody today. God will give you seed, but you and I determine if we get to abound in the grace of sowing seed. He'll give you seed, but we get to decide what we do with the seed. And I've told you this for 20 years. Nobody likes apple seed pie. 
many times do we see people devouring their seed? And I'm not mad about it. I'm trying to help you. You say, Pastor, well, I got bills. You have choices. I'm going to get so many people mad right now. I feel all of the pastoral team tightening up. What is he about to say? What I'm saying is this. You get to decide where you live and what you live in and how you roll when you live and what you dry while you live and and what you wear while you're living and the unlimited data plans that we have and everything else is a choice. And if you choose all that and you say, God, I don't got any left over, it's not that you didn't have any for God, it's that you chose what was more important to you. Yes, now, now. And what we're doing in American church is we have people coming to church resenting the teaching of generosity because it confronts the materialism that is existing in our heart. And we're materialistic because we want to keep up with our neighbor who's got on a pair of off-whites that he put on a credit card and he can't pay off, but he wanted them to look cool and can't pay his tithes. Where's my help? And this is, I mean, I can't understand this. And we get offended when people take an offering and a tithe. But we don't get offended when it's time to go buy the latest clothing outfit. And they say, it's going to be this amount. I've never seen anybody pitch a fit over it. Oh, you might pout. Do you take my coupon? But you don't, you don't pitch a fit. Choices. Generosity is a grace gift, and God starts the party by being generous with you and I. And then He says to us, What are you going to do with what I gave you? Now, can I get, let you in on a little secret? That some people won't tell you. What you keep is God's. <laughs> you ready for this? <laughs> I'm watching people right now. The myriad of faces that I see and the feeling I feel coming through the camera is absolutely amazing. What you give is God's and what you keep is God's. Well, this, the, the ministry ain't getting none of my money. It's mine. No, it's God's. Give me a Bible. Thank you. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth, the earth ain't Bob's. The earth ain't Jimmy's. The today we're a little tight today don't worry next Sunday you'll have plenty of room hallelujah somebody say the generous company I want to belong to a people who are not just known by their tongues we're not just known by the fire we're not just known by revival yes God give us all that I want to be known as a people who when the city had a need we could step up and help meet it when our neighborhood was going to hell in a handbasket, we brought a restoration and a renaissance and we picked up something cursed and it got blessed because of the goodness of the Lord. 
generous company. Now, the Bible says that Paul, I believe this is what the Bible's teaching us about what Paul felt about giving. Um, Paul, first and foremost, believed that generosity was given to advance the cause and the purpose of God in the earth. So take that in. First and foremost, I believe what Paul teaches us here is that when we are generous, we are helping to advance the cause of God and the purposes of God in the earth. This is why it matters where you go to church and where you get fed and who you support. It blows my blessed, sanctified mind how people become gullible and stay up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to say some things here. I hope it resonates. Stay up to 3 o'clock in the morning to watch people on television tell you if you'll give $150, you'll get holy water from some city. I'm going to. And if you'll drink or pour this out on you, it'll give you a Let me tell you something. First of all, that's utter nonsense. Holy water from Russia never set me free, saved me, or blessed my life. And the people that are so desperate for a miracle that they would buy that water to get a miracle reveal how truly desperate they are. And Jesus wants to set you free from depending on the twisted mechanics of a man who is hungry for nothing more than to take your stuff. I believe you ought to invest where people feed you spiritually. People help bury your dead when they die and dedicate your babies when they're born. I'm going to walk around. I don't even care. Do you pay tithes? No, I don't pay much. Well, where's your church redemption? Well, who do you pay your tithes to? My apostle. Where's he at? In another country. Yes, it's going to get tight, but I believe you ought to find your storehouse and sow where you get fed. I believe you ought to bless what feeds you. I got no problem with people distributing it all over the place, but I'm going to tell you right now, if, if all we do is create a moment of receiving every Sunday and people who are receiving are never investing back into the house that God has raised up to, to feed it, we're missing what the entire kingdom of God is about. Giving is first and foremost a means of advancing the kingdom of God. And I have prayed a bold prayer for the last several years. Lord, shut down operations that have no kingdom agenda. Dry up their financial resources. You say, that's mean. No, it's not mean. I'm tired of people funding stuff that has a, one word. It has one place, Jesus, in fine print. But you can't find him in their messages and you can't find him in their ministry and you can't find him in the altar and you can't find him in the, him in the singing and all they want you to do is see Jesus and oh, that's a gospel work. You need to know those that labor among you. 
The Bible said lay hands on no man suddenly. Do you know what that means? It doesn't mean don't lay hands on somebody on the altar when you're praying for them. Don't ordain quickly what you don't know to be of God. I'm going to make some folk real nervous here, but the Bible says in the book of 1 John to try the Spirit. Not everything preaching is the Holy Ghost. Not everybody prophesies, prophesies by the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure I'm making people mad and, and it'll somehow get, get together with somebody on television and some little clip. But I just want to go ahead and say this to you right now. We don't need any, no, we don't need any more nonprofit operations in the church. And when I say nonprofit, I'm not talking about P-R-O-F-I-T. I'm talking about P-R-O-P-H-E-T trying to make a P-R-O-F-I-T. Because if they blow in late and leave early and if they take your money and run to a, oh God. In a brown paper sack, I know why some of you have a hard time giving because you like me have seen the foolishness that goes on in the house of God and you ain't about to lose your hard-earned money to some other shenanigan that God ain't in. But I tell you what's happening in this hour. God is raising up a, God is raising up ministry, the breadth and the width of this earth that are going to advance the agenda of Jesus in our generation. They're going to bless the poor. They're going to feed the hungry. They're going to clothe the naked. They're going to turn. I believe in the name of Jesus. We're going to see a change in Washington, a change in Wall Street. We're going to see a change for the glory of God. And I, I would never want to put my resources and pastor, you sound a whole lot like you're saying we're the only people that are, oh no, there's a lot of people doing it. There are a lot of incredible ministries on this earth that are doing amazing things. I encourage you to be generous with all of them. I'm telling you in this day and time, be very careful. Be very careful. And, and I'm going to go on because I can tell some of y'all still nervous. Be very careful about giving to people who don't have a church they're submitted to. I, can, I got the spirit of offend everybody on me today. Be careful. Be careful. Anybody tells you if you give them 100, God will give you back 10,000? No. No, now see, God can, and sometimes that's what God does. But sometimes you don't need more money. Because I got things I need God to bless me with that money cannot buy. Blessing has nothing to do with simply money. Blessing has to do with provision. And our God shall supply. Say amen, somebody. So I want you to understand that Paul understood that the grace of generosity is a means first of advancing the cause and the purpose of God in the earth. The Jerusalem church was hurting. They needed financial help. So he goes to the church of Corinth to talk to them about being generous. And he uses the church of Macedonia and their generosity to provoke Corinth to give to Jerusalem. Do you see how this works? Macedonia gets generous. Paul uses Macedonia to provoke Corinth to give so that Jerusalem can receive the blessing. And here's what Paul says. 
You give it to Jerusalem now. At some point in the future, Jerusalem's going to give it back to you. How many know life is seasonal? There'll be seasons in your life where you have abundance of seed. In that season, you should sow abundantly. I'll tell you why in a minute. But there's other seasons in your life where you're in need and other people will sow and bless you. And what you help make happen for others, God will make happen for you. I want to say this to you as well. I'd be very careful about how I advertise what I give. I, I didn't have this plan. This ain't on my notes, so take this one up with God. Sometimes we give to be seen. The most powerful gift given is the one given that nobody sees and God has to reward. The most generous people that I've ever met in my life and that I know personally will never allow me or this house or anybody else they give to to put their name on anything. There are other people I know, you give them $5,000 and they want a bronze statue of themselves. I, I gave five. I love it when I don't have the fear of man on me. It just makes it preach so much better. Hallelujah. Don't give to be seen. Do you know what Matthew chapter 6 says about people who give to be seen? God sees they gave to be seen. And when they tell everybody what they did, don't miss this, they have their reward. <laughs> Ryan, stand up. If you give... For me to see it, when you give and you tell everybody what you did for me, God says, enjoy that reward, Ryan. What was my reward? That everybody saw you gave it. Well, I want a bigger reward than that. Then sit down, Ryan. And don't say anything about it. And give to God in a secret way. And God who saw in secret will put favor on what you did in secret and reward you openly. And, I, <laughs> and you hate it when people get rewarded openly. But God did it. Why would God reward people openly? so that you could see his favor is not the result of a pat on the back. It's the result of faithful people who live as a generous company of believers. I feel the Lord in here today. Paul understood giving was first a means of advancing the purpose of God. If God blesses you, the first question should be, not what new shoes could I buy? I'm sorry. The first question is, what do you want me to do other than tithe, what do you want me to do with what you've blessed me with? Do you recognize you'll get the shoes? It's just not the most important thing. Okay, whew, I get the shoes, praise God. Some of y'all, some of your sisters were like, whoo. I, oh, I felt that. I get the shoes. Hallelujah. It's just, 
Fall in the shoes. Second thing, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> Generosity is not only a means of advancing the purposes and the, the kingdom and the agenda of God in the earth. Listen to this. Generosity is a means by which overflowing praise and glory are brought to God. Verse, can you put this up for me, Chad? Chapter 9, verse 11. When you are enriched in everything for all liberality, that word liberality means generosity, it causes thanksgiving through us to God. This is what that text is teaching us. That when you and I are generous people and giving people and we bless the work of God and we bless people and we help the poor and we sow into the kingdom of God, what the text is teaching us is that people who receive from your generous heart turn back and give praise to God. Your giving actually causes people to give praise to God. If you don't believe this is true, I challenge you to come and join us in just a couple of weeks for Thanksgiving share and Christmas share. You, you, most of us in this room help make it happen. Most of us don't ever get to be recipients of it. Some of us have, and we always take care of our church family first, by the way. If there's anyone in this room watching me in this building or watching me online and you're a part of this church family and you're struggling and you have children and you don't know how you're going to get them Christmas the first group of people we help is our church people. And we always have plenty to help the kids in this community. This year we'll help over 2,000 children have Christmas because of your generosity. And when I stand up in a couple of weeks and we receive an offering for Thanksgiving share, which will bless hundreds and hundreds of families with boxes, a box of food that will last for weeks, when we stand up to receive offering for that and for offering for Christmas share, Every single person that gives into that, you are giving into the work of the kingdom. And when that box is delivered or those 2,000 plus children receive Christmas, we'll have a note in there somewhere, this came from Redemption to the Nation's Church. And we want your children and your family to be blessed by this. Have a wonderful Christmas. Merry Christmas. And you say, well, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal because somebody, not all, but some of them are going to say, thank you, God. And at the end of the day, what else is there but thank you, God? Isn't that what this is all about? The praise and the glory going back to God. I believe the church... Or some people in the church have done enough to bring reproach on the name of God to last a lifetime. I believe the church ought to be busy, according to Matthew chapter 5, doing the works of the Lord and doing good works that men, don't miss this, that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Well, I want to be spiritual. Do something good. I want to speak in another tongue, do something good. Speak in another tongue, but do something that people can tangibly see the goodness of God in. See, this ain't spiritual enough for some of y'all. Well, I, I, I want to float around and have visions. That's great. When your feet hit the floor, open up your pocketbook and give in a way that blesses people. And when they receive from your generosity, let them bring glory and honor to God. 
Even lost people are going to bring praise to God because of your generosity. People who don't even know Jesus are going to say, wow, that church, man, they really love people. God is good. Look what the Lord done through. I guarantee you this, an atheist who's hungry changes his mind when a church who's blessed feeds his hungry belly. Giving produces praise. Giving produces a, a, a culture of, of celebration and worship. People begin to give God praise. And I think we ought to give people an opportunity to give God more praise. I've never one time been chased out of a restaurant for giving a lousy tip. True. I've been chased out a bunch of times for giving more than I should have. And they went right out, whoa, 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 tears coming down their eyes. I just want to say thank you. Now you say, Pastor, you just told us you shouldn't tell what we do. And you just told what you did. I didn't tell you the amount. I just told you I gave them something to bless them. Here's what I want you to understand. When you are generous in your spirit, people give praise to God when they encounter generosity. And I said this and I say it again. If you don't bless waiters and waitresses, please don't tell them you go to church at RTTN. It's true. Don't sit down over a steak. Oh, no, no. Oh. We in revival. And then get up from that kind of meal and leave a dime. I am saying something right here. I want you to make sure that you understand your giving produces praise. Here's the last thing I want you to see, and I'm done. First, praise, uh, pardon me, generosity is a means by which we advance the kingdom of God. Secondly, generosity is a means by which we cause people to give praise and glory to the Lord for what was brought. And third, perhaps the most important, maybe not, but this is important for everybody and every family in this room. Generosity is a means by which you build your lives and leave your legacy. Okay, I don't know if this is in the Bible. I'm glad, not verse 9, chapter 9, verse 9. I'm glad you were concerned. Look at chapter 9, verse 9. As it is written, he dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Generosity builds a life and leaves a legacy that will be memorialized forever. Generous people will never be forgotten. Remember that woman? Jesus is getting ready to go down the cross and that woman breaks a box of oil and anoints him for death. And here's what he said. Judas said, she shouldn't have done that. What a waste. Jesus said that woman's act of offering and that sacrifice of worship will be remembered everywhere the gospel is preached. We are still talking about her offering today, and it happened 2,000 years ago. Remember Cornelius? He was known for his giving and praying. Heaven, heaven had a memorial built in it that was alms and prayers of Cornelius and Acts. 
His giving literally captured the attention of heaven. Giving people, generous people, build a life and leave a legacy. You and I get to determine the kind of life we live. You say, Pastor, that sounds a lot like you're playing God. No, God gives you the ability to start. We wouldn't have anything to start with if it wasn't for God. Say amen or something. But you cannot blame God if you take the talents he gave you and hide them in the ground. And then when he comes back, you say, I kept what you start, what I started with. He don't want you to keep what you started with. He wants you to turn two into four and five into ten. He wants you to start in the townhouse, but one day you're going to own the townhouse. I keep feeling like, and I felt this way for some time, like renters are going to be owners. I keep feeling like people in this house need to buy property. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's. I believe kingdom people ought to own land. If you're not there yet, I'm preaching to you to build your faith. It's not that you're not going to get there. You're not there yet. All of us started out as renters or borrowers, or, but there's a time in your life where God begins to bless and you lend and don't have to borrow. Can y'all handle this? Build a life. Work with God. Is it supernatural? Yes. But do you have responsibilities? Without a doubt. God will give you seed. Let me just, since I got us all thinking here, God will give you seed. You get to determine the harvest. Well, how do I get to determine the harvest? With what you do with your seed. Well, I want a big harvest and sow a bunch of seed. Well, I don't care what kind of harvest I keep. Then keep your seed. This isn't even revelation. Farmers know this. Paul says in the sixth verse, say build a life. Say build a life. Say generous company. Say we're going to build a generous life. You want a generous harvest? Be a generous sower. I say this, and you can cut this up, and you can theologically uh, 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 parse words, and you can say, well, he's not talking about money. He absolutely is. He's talking about financial resources. I've heard people say, he's not talking about money. He's in the middle of a talk on money. And he says these words. He who sows sparingly, will reap sparingly. He who sows generously will reap generously. Now, I'm going to end this, and, and uh, Seth, if you'll come help me, pal, and Julian, we're going to land this. Pray for everybody who's all uptight. Get that spirit of offense off of you before you go eat the chicken, okay? He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows generously will reap generously. Or bountifully. Go back to verse 5 of chapter 8, please, Chad. 
And if you have your Bible, I want you to underline this. This is the entire key of this message, and I saved it for right now. All of this operates on one principle. It operates on one principle. Generosity is not something you just try out to see if you can get a quick return. Because I hear, I feel some people sometimes, and they say things like this, you preached on Sunday, I did it on Monday, nothing happened on Tuesday. Well, I, first of all, I would never promise you that. Secondly, you missed what I was saying in the first place. Generosity ain't what we do to get more. Here's the key to this whole message right here, the sixth verse. Uh, the fifth verse, you got it. And not only did we give, did you give as we hoped, but before you gave anything, you first gave yourself to the Lord. Family, hear me, please. That is the key to generosity. Not just stroking checks, but first giving your heart to Jesus. I'm not just talking about in the sense of him saving you. I'm talking about in the sense of you saying you have everything I have. You have all of me. There are not compartments that I compartmentalize off from you. I give you all of my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my mind. I give you my family. I give you my stuff. I give you my possessions. What do you have that is off limits to God? Where is the line that you say, God, you can't have that? That territory he came to conquer and to take, he wants all of it. How many have, let me say it like this, you've never heard God ask you for what you don't have. God will never ask you for what you don't have. But how many have ever had him ask for something you wanted to keep? everybody's like have we already taken the offering up praise praise thank God I'll forget this one by Sunday I'm gonna haunt you with this one (laughs) I'm kidding I'm not gonna haunt anybody just the Pharisees and the Sadducees God will never ask you for what you don't have But sometimes he's asking us for what we want to keep. My prayer is not that we get to the pocketbook. My prayer is that God gets the heart. Because if he gets all of you, generosity is a natural byproduct. And what's crazy with this is when you start living in this kingdom life, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added. When you start living in that, listen to what happens in verse 8 of chapter 9. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Does that sound like lack at all? In fact, that's why God said to me 19 years ago when we started in this work, 
Kevin, what would you do? I remember Deborah Dunwoody. I remember where my knees were. The morning on a Sunday, getting ready to go preach, my knees were on the floor in my office, in my, my, my hands in my chair, with 40 people sitting in the church, wondering how we were going to even pay the bills. I said, God, we need you. And he said to me, what would you do if lack were not your problem? Because lack is not your problem, Kevin. I'm 20 years into this journey, and I want to tell you right now, everything he ever gave us a vision to do, it's done and it's paid for thus far by the goodness of God. You ought to be able to praise him because you're sitting in it and you're a part of it. I give him praise. And I'm here today to say some of us today are ready to activate and step into a place called generosity. But it does not happen simply by making up our mind we're going to be givers. It starts in here by saying, I want to be totally yours. Stand with me. I'm through preaching. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Can we do that before we go today? Can you just lift your hands and give myself away so you can use, come on, sing that again. I give myself away, oh God. I give myself away so you can use me. Come on, lift those hands and say, I give myself away. Just close your eyes for a moment and See, you're giving your life over to God afresh and anew right now. I believe he's doing that in somebody's heart. Come on, let's sing it again. I give myself, I give myself. I give you my life today, God. I give you everything about me today, Lord. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself give you everything I have and everything I'll be. I give myself, come on, I give myself. Throw your hands up and sing, I give myself away. You can have my life this morning. I feel a deep thing happening. Let it work. Come on. I give. Somebody's going to start building a life and leaving a legacy. You can use me. Say my life is not my own. Come on. Declare this with me. My life is not my own. To you I belong. 
Somebody sing, I give myself. Hey, somebody give them your future right now. My life is not my own. Sing it again. Sing it again. My life is not my own. Sing, church. My life is not my own. Oh, yeah. If he gets this, he gets everything. My life. I give myself, oh, I give myself away, Lord, I give myself away, so you give myself away. Have your way, Lord. Give myself away. I, I don't want to ask a rhetorical question. I want to ask a specific question that I ask you to consider and to respond to appropriately. While your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, if you're in this place today and you say, Pastor Kevin, I'm saved and I love God. But I need to begin to build a different kind of life and leave a legacy. And I want to abound in the grace gift of generosity. And I want to give even a greater part of my life and all of me to God today. And I want to be part of that generous company. If I'm talking to you, I want you to lift your hand right now. If I'm talking to you, God bless every single, man, there are hands up all over this room. I want to be part of that generous company that leave a legacy and build a life. And I'm going to tell you why I'm asking you to lift your hand. If you're already doing it, lift your hand. But if you're going to do it, lift your hand. Because I'm about to pray blessing on every hand that's up in the air. And then we're going to be done today. And Athens, I want you to stand wherever you're standing. Pastor Chris is going to come and there's going to be prayer there. But I'm asking God, and I felt like today a moment would happen in this service where we would declare some things out of our heart with our actions and with our response. Because sometimes you preach a message like this and then we get so vanilla because we don't want anybody to feel like there's pressure. I'm not pressuring anybody. I'm just saying we're living in a moment where you're going to have to decide you're going to live according to the king and his kingdom or the world and its system. And I feel like there's some people in here today that are willing to say, God, I'm, I'm giving you the rest of my life. I want to build a different kind of life than the one given to me. I want to leave a different kind of legacy for my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids. When, when I'm no longer on the earth, may the giving and the generosity of my life still be discussed and may it bless people even in my departure. May, may I be so generous, God, that I be known in my generation for generosity, for the glory of God, for the praise of Almighty God. Hands are up. Lord, you see every hand that went up and is up in the air right now. I pray the blessing of God.
I wish I could find about a hundred intercessors to pray in the Holy Ghost with me right now. I pray right now in the Lord, I thank you for every hand that is up right now. There are some people with hands up that are borrowers, and one day they're going to be lenders. There are some renters' hands up that are going to become owners. I declare blessing for the glory of God, the praise of our God. The increase of God be upon every house whose hands are lifted right now. May we begin to live in totally sacrificial ways so that the kingdom is advanced. Praise is brought to God and we build the kind of life that leaves a legacy for our sons and daughters, for spiritual sons and daughters, for biological sons and daughters. Break every curse, break every hindrance, break every cycle of financial defeat and let increase and favor come upon your people today. May the kingdom be established and advanced. May the favor of God rest upon our people. May promotions, may blessings, may open doors, may inheritances come. Bless your people. I feel that right there. In the mighty name of Jesus, bless your people. Lift your hands as high as you can and receive it now. In the name of Jesus, may the faith of God, the blessing of God, the goodness of God, for the purpose of glorifying God, may it be upon the church. May it be upon the church in the mighty name of Jesus. And I seal it now in Jesus' name. And we shout like it's done. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you for your goodness. Hey family, while your faith is high and while God is speaking to you through this message today, I wanted to end this time together by saying a prayer for you and agreeing with you in prayer that God is gonna meet you right where you are at the point of your need. As we pray, I want you to remember this, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. You don't have a problem. All you need is faith in God. And today we're going to agree in prayer together for your healing, for your deliverance, for the miracle, for the blessing that you've been waiting on. I believe it's time to pray. Father. In Jesus' name, thank you for the people of God who are watching today. Thank you for everyone who has tuned in to this, this message and this broadcast. And we are agreeing in prayer right now that every need they have, you are going to supply it. Father, I reach out to you in faith and I pray for the person who has lost that you would save them. For the person who is sick that you would bring healing right now to their body. Father, for the person who needs a miracle financially, a miracle in their home, a miracle in their marriage, there's nothing too hard for you. And in Jesus' name, we speak to that issue. We command those mountains to be moved, and we thank you in advance for your blessing that's coming up on their lives today. In Jesus' name, we receive it. Amen. Friend, I can't wait to be with you next week. I'm going to keep praying for you until then. God bless you. Spread the news, and we'll see you soon. Go in peace.